please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning. Welcome to today's show. We're going to take a few steps back from vision to look at the topic that really is the foundation for vision, your purpose or your personal mission. My guest today is Richard Leiter, legendary coach and best-selling author on the topic of finding your purpose in life. He has worked over three decades researching, writing, coaching, speaking, and facilitating workshops to help people discover the power of purpose. His best-selling books include the classic, The Power of Purpose, as well as a series of books that bring focus to refining a renewed sense of purpose in the second half of life. And these include Repacking Your Bags, Whistle While You Work, and Claiming Your Place at the Fire. Richard is the chair and founder of the Inventure Group. He is consistently rated one of the top executive educators in the world. Good morning, Richard, and thank you for joining me. Kate, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you are. I know you've been traveling, and I'm glad you were able to, to land on time to do our show. Um, Richard, you've made such a difference in so many lives through your work um, on the topic of purpose. And I'd love to just jump right in by having you tell us, how did you get into this work? Uh, I had good teachers, great teachers at different points in time. And um, coming at the world through a lens of counseling psychology on the academic side, in the mid-60s, I had the chance to spend a week with Viktor Frankl the uh, legendary uh, author and uh, philosopher and uh, doctor who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And that made all the difference in the world. It kind of changed my trajectory to look at what's now called positive psychology. Uh, But logotherapy or meaning therapy is what Viktor Frankl uh, espoused and taught. And uh, his whole notion of choice in the world, no matter what your circumstances. And for the listeners who don't know, Frankl was um, in three Nazi concentration camps, and he survived, but his entire family did not. And he came out and he wrote Man's Search for Meaning, which the Library of Congress in the U.S. says is one of the 25 most influential books in American history. He wrote that um, in nine days after he got well and was well enough to, to write it. And he basically talked about choice and purpose and meaning and having a reason to get up in the morning. And uh, after spending a week with him, I was said, this is my call. This is what I'm going to do eventually when I can uh, with the rest of my life and my career. So that was kind of the launch onto how I got into this work. And the uh, final point is that I spent 10 years, however, working for a couple major corporations to kind of learn how the world of work uh, evolves and how people make a living and 
So before writing my first book and hanging out my first shingle and doing things like that, I worked inside corporations as a human resource officer and a training officer and um, decided while I was there that um, this coaching, writing, speaking, purpose work called much stronger than the corporate work, and so I left and been on my own ever since. Thank you for sharing that story. It it sounds like um, quite a powerful, life-changing week that you had with Victor, and um, the work you've done has taken you all over the world. You've worked with more than 50 corporations, thousands, really maybe tens, hundreds of thousands of people, and I wonder why you think that finding one's purpose is such a hot topic, and it's not just a hot topic here in this country where we're known for our culture of um, you know, self-reliance and, and self-sufficiency, but it's an internationally hot topic. So why? Well, I think there's a couple um, obvious reasons for it and some not so obvious. The obvious ones are that uh, we're going through worldwide a longevity revolution. In this country, one person's turning 50 every eight seconds. 10,000 people today will turn 50. And there's kind of a, and we're living, as a result of that, we're uh, also living longer. And so um, people necessarily get to a point in midlife where they still have another perhaps 30, 40, or more years to live, uh, which is not true in the past. In 1900, the average life expectancy was 47 in the U.S. Now it's in the 80s. And so if you have another three or four decades which used to be called retirement, but is no longer mm-hmm. for many people. They're no longer able to retire or don't want to retire and don't want to spend 30 years or 40 years in retirement. So it begs the question of what am I going to do when I get up in the morning if I don't work? Or if I do work, what kind of work am I willing to do in this next phase of my life? And what will give me a sense of, of um, value and meaning in, in society? The longevity revolution is one thing. Another thing is change and the whole transformation of the economy and global transformation of work has caused most people to um, have to take care of their own life, their own work. It's no longer that you sign up and the organization will take care of you if you just do a good job. Now people are changing uh, by choice and by circumstance their work lives every few years, and sometimes their careers every few years. So in this new creator economy, it begs us to really take a close look at who we are, what we're doing, what our offer is, and we're spending a lot of time at work. So if you add all those things up, people are saying, well, I want to do something meaningful with my work. I don't want to just make a living, although that's, for many people, that's a choice that they have to make, but I want to do something meaningful. So longevity revolution, change, uh, transformation. Um, and the other thing is that I think people are more conscious that uh, about wholeness and integrative medicine, and people are understanding that the mind and the body work together. It's not just one or the other. And so integrative medicine is really about wholeness, and when you start to look at the whole person, you look at their attitude and their mindset and their uh, and you start to look at things like purpose and meaning and having a reason to get up in the morning and I know in my own work uh, just to complete that um, I'm part of something 
called the Purpose Project, which is in the medical school at the University of Minnesota, where I'm a senior fellow. And the, within the medical school, the Center for Spirituality and Healing is the integrative medical program there, and I'm a senior fellow and leading the Purpose Project. And here we're looking at how purpose and having a reason to get up in the morning impacts health, longevity, healing, and happiness. And uh, I think the social science is there now. Uh, um, very clearly when you look at uh, science that people are happiest when they feel embedded in something larger than themselves. So let me just repeat, social science is clear. This is kind of my basic premise of all my work. People are happiest and, by the way, healthiest and live longer and heal faster when they feel embedded in something larger than themselves. And I call that the power of purpose. You know, you, you you put this into such a great perspective for us, and you um, have a perspective that spans decades. I'm curious if you have seen societal changes or an increased openness to your work as some of these things that you were just describing have, have occurred. Um, are we more ready for this than ever before, or was it always this easy to get the conversation going? Well, I you know, I think it's... Um, I write books about it and teach and speak about it, but I've spent a lot of time in tribal cultures, particularly in Tanzania and East Africa, and purpose is alive and well in indigenous cultures. It comes through community and having a place in community and um, a sharing and a collaboration, and so it doesn't need a lot of purpose language. It's embedded in our uh, evolution as a human species that if we don't share and if we don't contribute and if we don't make a difference in the community, uh, in other words, outside of our own self-absorption and our own success, we don't evolve and we don't survive. And um, so I think, yes, it's more uh, on the radar screen with people writing, thinking, speaking about it, but I think it's pretty much been a baseline uh, in anthropology and in our history as a species. Yeah, that's a great. That's that. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I, I myself was inspired um, years ago by the work of Alfred Adler, and his premise that we really are seeking two things: one, love, and the other, a sense of belonging or purpose. And so, I have myself been studying this topic for some time, and um, love to become acquainted with what you're bringing to it. Um, you know, many people I know struggle to identify their purpose, mm-hmm. and in fact. You know, it seems unusual to me actually, to meet people who feel that they know their purpose or feel I don't hear the word calling being used the way that um, the way that perhaps uh, in other eras we've heard it. And I wonder why is it hard to find one's purpose? Well, I mean, we live basically in a socially materialistic society and uh, a world of outerness and outer success and busyness and always going somewhere, never being anywhere. and So usually these kinds of things are not valued until we hit a certain age where it's obvious or evident to us and um, or we have a crisis, some sort of a wake-up call on any front, economic, medical, um, spiritual, uh, relational, and then we step back and we look at the big picture. What 
what really becomes important to me now. And during times of change or these wake-up calls, we go higher and we go deeper. Higher meaning we step back and we try to get a grasp on and make sense of the bigger picture. And then we go deeper and say, what does this mean for me? What moves can I make? Do I need to make? What choices do I have? And when we go higher and deeper, the deeper part, we find our constants. What doesn't change? What can I hold on to? What are my real values? What really becomes important? And usually that happens, these things happen in the midlife phenomenon. Um, in other words, by the time we get to the, the middle years, the 40s and mm-hmm. 50s, that's when we've had enough life and enough life experiences, pain and pleasure, that we have some sense of what really matters. And sometimes it doesn't come till later, and sometimes it comes earlier to people. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I think we uh, are forced by nature and by our bodies to um, to take a look. And if we don't have the tools to do that, we get scared and we avoid and we critique and we kind of poo-poo this kind of, of thinking. But I've been interviewing elders now for... Uh, 35 years, people over the age of 65. Mm-hmm. I used 65 because that was, used to be the standard retirement mm-hmm. number. <laughs> and, uh, asked them if they could live their life over, what would they do differently? And they said that they would be more reflective. That was one thing. Uh, without a trigger, without a crisis, they wish they would have been a bit more conscious and more intentional about their looking at things and making clearer choices and not waiting to be driven there by uh, these transformational triggering events, I call them. Secondly, so they would, they well, they let, let me... Life over, they'd take more risks. They'd be more authentic the second time around. And back to what you said about Adler, it was about uh, authenticity around work and love. The Freud, mm-hmm. Adler, mm-hmm. Jung, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Frankl all kind of talked about the same zones. So authenticity is the courage of the voice and the courage of stepping into your own voice, your own authentic uh, signature Mm -hmm. in the world. And the third Mm -hmm. thing, Kate, was purpose, and that was all people that I interviewed, and that's thousands of people, and I've reported in my writings and in my books, have said they want their life to matter. They want to make a difference. Talk to people in the hospice movement. At the end of life, the hospice workers find that mm-hmm. every human being ultimately wants their life to matter. They don't want pain and they don't want suffering. Of course, no one does, but ultimately, okay. even in the last moments, they want to say something to people that matters and, and have some sort of closure, yet, yes, their life did matter. So We're going to take a break, Richard. Time when we, have, we have many chances to uh, relook at our purpose. And uh, midlife is one of those times that's a natural inflection point for us to do that. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break right now, but I want to just reiterate that what people are telling you at the end of life is they wish they'd been more reflective, more authentic, in other words, more yourself, and had more purpose, um, made a difference. So thank you. We'll be right back. Oh, 
always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. This is Kate. My guest this morning is Richard Leiter, a legendary coach and executive educator who's written three international bestsellers on the topic of purpose. You're listening to Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, and we'd like to invite you to receive a free copy of The Power of Purpose. To do this, just go to nebocompany.com and sign up for our free Visionary Leader newsletter this week to become eligible. Each week, our newsletter offers insights and short articles on what it takes to be a visionary leader. usually includes a brief summary article about the previous week's radio show and we'd love for you to be the winner of the power of purpose so go ahead and sign up um, i'm talking to richard Leiter, and we were talking just before the break about um, what people look back in life and sort of wish they had spent more time thinking about and we were we were talking about it from the perspective of end of life and i'd like to just go back to midlife actually richard and um, thinking about some folks I know who feel like maybe they are in their you know, 40s, 50s, and, and haven't really done what I'll call the work of their heart or the, the work that feels really tied to purpose. Um, is, it, is it too late? Uh, how do you begin at the second half of life? Well, there's a, a lot of ways that people are willing to push the pause button and step back and reflect, which is the first Fifty percent is just the willingness to embrace the larger questions rather than dismiss them. But assuming that they will embrace them, um, I was um, in uh, London uh, recently, and I was on an airplane flying to London. And uh, I always use uh, airplanes as writing time as my private sanctuary. And so I'm sitting next to somebody chatty. I'm very good mm-hmm. on writing and not chatting and. <laughs> next to a very chatty business type who got onto the phone with two cell phones and was you know, talking to everybody loudly. And I had the misfortune of being seated next to him, and he wanted to chat. And 
I didn't, and so we didn't. And the, but towards the end of the trip, as we were getting ready to, to uh, land, um, he said, so what do you do anyway? And I said, uh, well, I'm a writer and a coach. And, this, and he said, I knew you were somebody. And I said, no, I'm not somebody, but I am passionate about what it is that I'm thinking and writing about. And uh, so... Uh, you never tell anybody on an airplane that you're a life coach who specializes in reinventing yourself at midlife because you'd have half the plane land lined up to talk to you. But uh, so this guy, I said, so what do you do? And he said, well, I just lost my job. I'm in transition. I'm lost. I'm really a mess. And I'm here to clean out my apartment. I was stationed here in London and moved back to the States. And I don't know what I'm going to do, and da da da. And so we're walking down the concourse, and in London there's this phrase that you hear called "mind the gap." And "mind the gap" means step across so you don't fall mm-hmm. in between, like the train and the platform and the, or something right. like that. There's a gap, and I heard that, and I turned to him, and before I jumped into my car to take me into central London, and I said, "You need to mind the gap," and he uh-huh. said, "That's brilliant." That's exactly what they're trying to do is mind the gap. I'm on this side trying to figure out what's on that side, but the train seems to be moving very fast, and I can't seem to get on it, and I don't want to fall in the cracks. And I think nice. that's kind of the way that many people feel at different times, and particularly in midlife, they need to mind the gap. And so to do that, I went back to my hotel room, actually, and I had a little spare time, and I wrote that story up as I just told it to you, and then I said, well, what are the three things he needs to do to mind the gap? Number one, he needs to, he needs to discern or determine what's victory for him, what mm-hmm. is success. Mm-hmm. Many people don't declare victory. In other words, at the end of my life, what is it I want to have happen? And or the, much of that victory up till now has been external victory, building a life system and having kids and getting a job and but the, at the end, they need to look at the internal and the external sense of victory. And secondly, he needs to discern what his boundaries are. What is it he's willing to do? What is it he's not willing to do at this phase of his life? He's got to look at his health, his finances, his relationships. And um, so he needs to, I mean, some people call that a life review or a values clarification exercise. But he, he needs to de- declare his values, what is it that he stands for and what is it he's willing and not willing to do. And third, mm-hmm. he needs to determine who his sounding board is. One of the things that I tell people at midlife or any point in their life that isolation is fatal. Going in alone is an incredibly bad news thing. I learned this from the Mayo Clinic where I work with, with folks and who go home from surgery or from hospitalization. And if they go home and they're alone, they don't heal as well. And if they Mm -hmm. have a pet at home or a person at home or a support group, they do way more better. So the third thing I would tell this guy is that in addition to declaring victory and declaring his boundaries is declare who's on his sounding board, who are his committed listeners, who are the people he can talk to about this and really be open and transparent and not hidden about it. And um, so that's... That's minding the gap. Three things about what I... Advise a midlife. I, I I thank you for those three things. I think that that's the kind of um, clear direction that people seek and uh, and very much appreciate. You know, and I, I'm curious. I, I am the mother of teenagers, and I'm finding that 
even as teenagers, particularly as they're looking toward college, um, adults are often asking them, what do you want to do with your life? And it's a question that definitely stumps most teenagers, I think. <laughs> but I'm curious yep. from looking at the other end of sort of the generational spectrum here, uh, what do you think about young people? How do you, you know, if, what if you're just starting on your path? You know, how do you, a, how do yeah, you get started? That's a great question. And what we find is that these workshops on the power of purpose or repacking your bags that are often intended more for the midlife crowd. We find people in their 30s, particularly 30s and mm-hmm. 40s, showing up sometimes in their 20s as well, not so many mm-hmm. teens. And they're saying, well, if this is such good stuff, maybe I should learn it earlier in life so I don't have to wait until that period of time. Mm-hmm. And historically, we sat around the fire with elders to learn about our youngers, or sat with elders to learn about their futures. And now, those where are those fires? Where are those elders um, who help us make sense of this new work world, this new educational world, etc.? And um, so, we're seeing more of of that. And I think earlier in life, there is a formula that I have crafted over the years that is kind of a cradle-to-grave formula. It doesn't really matter what age you are. And it's this. I call it the got-a-minute school of coaching. Because in the busy <laughs> world, people are, you know, so busy, they say, if you got a minute, can you tell me what I ought to do with the rest of my life? <laughs> and um, I don't have time to go to a seminar. I don't have time to read a book or whatever. And mm-hmm. So I would scribble on that napkin they got a minute school, this formula, G plus P plus V equals C. G is gifts, P is purpose or passions, and V is values or culture, equals C, calling. If you're using your most enjoyed strengths, gifts, talents, on something that you feel purposeful, passionate, or at least interested in, in an environment that's healthy for you, that fits your values, at least up to a certain point, then you've got a reason to get up in the morning. Then you you, uh, you figure out your calling if this isn't it. And uh, so I think young people need to um, figure out their gifts. They need to figure out their passions, their interests. They need to figure out their values, how they fit. Sometimes it's through trial and error or mostly, I should say, Kate, it's through trial and error, but you can also Mm -hmm. learn through coaching from a grandparent Mm -hmm. or a parent or uh, from reading something. And so uh, I just, uh, at midlife, I hear over and over from people who say, where do you go to get an advanced degree in maturity? I've I've never had this kind of training. I never had to make these kinds of decisions before. How do I figure this out? Younger people asking the same question. How do I figure this out? Yes, so they are. What I'm trying to do is, prov- is to present a very simple, concrete guidance system to help people figure out what they're here to do. And who they so are, G- and how they can uh, make those choices. So G plus P plus V equals C. Gifts yep. plus calling, passions plus values. Is the plus inner calling. urge to give your gifts away. I think yeah. it's innate in human beings that they want their lives to matter, as I said earlier. And how they do that is by sharing their gifts with the tribe, with the community, with the workplace. 
and in very concrete ways. It's not just being a nice person. Purpose is not about being nice. It's about being clear and having a clear offer uh, to to the world. And I want to su- suggest also, because uh, sometimes people will say, well, I'm not Gandhi, I'm not Mother Teresa, I'm not Nelson Mandela, I don't, I'm not a missionary, I've got to pay the mortgage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, you know, there's a, a very fam- a famous quote from an essayist, American essayist named E.B. White, who said, I arise in the morning torn between a desire to save the world and a desire to savor the world. This makes mm. it hard to plan the day. <laughs> so, well, I think the advice is good because a well-lived life a, an effective life is about both saving and savoring, meta- metaphorically. Saving means making our concrete offer to the world and making a difference, not being self-absorbed, and savoring, enjoying life and enjoying mm-hmm. what life has to offer us. And so the balance there between the two is where the good life is lived. Beautiful. Well, Richard, we're going to take a, a break, and when we come back, I'd really like to explore what your trips to Africa teach you about the world and about purpose. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are looking for both an inside and insightful look at what you're not seeing in media coverage of today's legal, business, and policy battles, tune into In the Court of Public Opinion with host Jim Haggerty. What happens in the public arena affects us all. Whether you're following the latest high-profile court case, corporate crisis, or are just interested in government and policy, be sure to tune in every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The witnesses are ready and the jury seated. So join us for our next session in the Court of Public Opinion. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Richard Leiter, and we're talking about purpose today. Richard, in February, coming right up, you head to Tanzania for an adventure expedition. And I know that you've traveled there annually for almost 28 years, I think, um, leading walking safaris with small groups. Tell us about this aspect of your life. Well, it's become a huge part. I say it's my avocation, not... It's a, I call it an in-venture expedition. My company is the in-venture group. 
And I got to Africa, Tanzania, initially in 1983. I was on the board of trustees of Outward Bound, and I went to climb Kilimanjaro to raise money for Outward Bound and also to visit with a group of people, other trustees, the African Outward Bound School on the slope of Kilimanjaro. And I fell in love with Tanzania and the people and decided I would go back the next year, but I would take my own group, not an Outward Bound group, and I would do it a little bit more cross-culturally or a little bit differently. And so there, therein lies it. I got, they say, once bitten by Africa, you always mm-hmm. want to go back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, that certainly was true for me, and I've been going back now for 27 years. This will be my 27th year. And I've created, a, with my colleagues over there, uh, a foundation called the Durobo Fund for Tanzania, which... Uh, we educate young women to become leaders, and we do village conservation work. So there's a lot going on beneath the trip. But every year I take a dozen people on a walking safari into the bush in Tanzania, and uh, it's cross-cultural, both an adventure and an adventure. <laughs> the adventure is camping and hiking and being out with the people and the animals and the fantastic, one of the last great wilderness countries on Earth. And... Um, and then there's the sitting around the fire with the elders from the tribes and inventoring work that we do and looking at what's next and the what's next moments in our, our lives. So Africa is on many levels is a great uh, place to renew, to get away. My theme for the trip um, is back to the rhythm. And back to the yes. rhythm means really back to the core. Back, back to silence and solitude, back to essential ways of living without a lot of trappings, no wristwatches, no... <coughs> How would it be to, uh, for your listeners to be totally off the grid for three weeks? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most people sigh when I say that. However, when people get over there, they don't realize how what a buzz they're really on because it takes about three days for people to really settle in and calm down and not be all about activity. What are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? And to really breathe in what's going on and listen and be present for people who are still living in a natural way and animals that are still living mostly in a natural way. And mm-hmm. So it's a big... Uh, and people are transformed. They come back and they say, I don't know how I'm going to explain this to anybody because... I've never seen it this way before. I've never lived in a way where I felt so comfortable with so little. They can only bring 30 pounds with them, which includes their boots, their camera gear, their water bottles, their um, binoculars, and their clothing. And a lot of people fret over, oh, 30 pounds, how am I going to ever do that? And in mm-hmm. a little bag, and at the end they say, oh, I even had more than I needed here. I, I can't believe how happy I was with nothing simplifying my life and I can wash my they can wash their clothes every every week but um, and then wear them again but they don't have to worry about repacking unpacking repacking over and over again and uh, so the trip is very instructive for me every year I look forward to it all year long and uh, as I am right now as we speak yes I love I love that story about um, the, the the detail about 30 pounds and it reminds me of we had a show where we were talking about sufficiency and in particular we were 
making the distinction between scarcity, you know, not having enough, and sufficiency and, and also abundance, you know, and really putting a stake in the ground for the idea of sufficiency um, and the simple idea that we have what we need, we are who we need, um, that we need a whole lot less than we think that we do. And so we had another show around Christmas time where we talked about um, approaching you know, the holidays from a completely different perspective and from a less consumeristic perspective. And I, I saw this this little story, this um, 30 pounds story, uh, reminds me of that same message of, you know, not just getting in touch with yourself, getting in touch with nature and the rhythms of the natural world, but also recognizing your own sufficiency without all the trappings. Right. And just very powerful. You know, the, the international bestseller that, I co-wrote that is coming out again on July 1st this year in an all-new, totally revamped third edition. It's been out since 1995. It's been on the bestseller list in about a dozen countries, and it's in 23 languages. And it's called Repacking Your Bags, Lighten mm-hmm. Your Load to Live the Good Life. Mm-hmm. And Lightening Your Load is came from Africa. It came from these African experiences where, um, in a nutshell, a Maasai elder asked me why I was carrying all I was carrying, and he said, does all this make you happy? And I realized I was carrying, at that time, uh, Kate, it was a backpacking trip, so I was carrying more than I do now, which is a small day bag, but uh, mm-hmm. day pack. But um, when I looked at, after he asked me the question, he saw that I was actually struggling with my load, not enjoying the tremendous surroundings I was in, and why, you know, essentially, why are you carrying all this? What is all this? Does all this make you happy? And the group started to say, well, you know, we're laboring under the load. And then they started to talk about the load in their lives, not the load in their literal backpack. Mm-hmm. And that's where the book Repacking Your Bags came from, Lighten Your Load to Live the Good Life. And I find mm-hmm. many people today build a life in the first half and create stuff. Mm-hmm. The second half is about getting rid of the stuff and lightening <laughs> their load makes them happier. So mm-hmm. it's a paradox, but it's also a natural paradox. How much is enough? Where is that middle ground? How much is too much? How much is too little? Are, are we owned by our stuff and does it have us or is it something that we are savoring? And so I think letting go, unpacking, is a very difficult thing for people, but once they start to unpack, literally clean out a drawer or a closet or even downsize a house, and then they start to do the same thing in their lives with what other encumbrances and relationships and work that doesn't fit. There's a deep sense of liberation and freedom and, oh, you know, big breath that uh, I got, I'm in charge of my life and it is not in charge of me. So I find the repacking story, the repacking theme to be internationally successful because it's so Mm -hmm. simple. Mm -hmm. As I'm listening to you today in this conversation, it seems like, Richard, you have these life experiences and then recognize them to be um, useful as uh, experiences that you can talk about with other people. And so it seems like you're out in the world experiencing life and then 
distilling from it it's it's lessons and messages and bringing them back to us in useful ways like books and courses and conversations like this is that your process yeah it's pretty much my process it's um what i have to offer the world is what i call systematized common sense it takes <laughs> things we already know and puts it into and grounds it in social science and uh research but um it makes it useful and easy. Um, I write every morning. I get up every single morning and, and um, I will um, write for an hour. Mm-hmm. And um, I write for readers. Some people write because they just enjoy writing. I do enjoy writing. I love writing. But I, um, I want to help people. Mm-hmm. My purpose is to help people uncover their purpose to awaken spirit in people. And to do that, I want to create things that are useful for people, not just um, story or something that's out there in the ether. Philosophically, I want people to say, yes, this mattered and this reading has mattered in my life. And I don't need a lot of applause for that, but I do need a sense that, yeah, it was simple and clear and I got it. So that's what I look for in the work I do is to people, is it useful? And yes. if not, what can I do to make it useful? Do you think when someone has a clear sense of purpose, they become more courageous in their living their life? It, it depends on how embedded or embodied that purpose is. I know people who have had a major upset in their life, breakdown, illness, faced certain things, like a Viktor Frankl in a concentration camp mm-hmm. came out of that. And that's why his message is so powerful in many ways, is that uh, he said the last of the f- uh, freedoms is choice. It's to choose what you want your day, your moment, your life to be about, regardless of the circumstances. And then he uses the concentration camp. It wasn't just when I get out of here, then I'm going to really be on purpose. Every day, every moment, there was a chance to give somebody else a kind word a crust of bread, help them envision a positive future or a hug or something. And um, this made all the difference in the world. The people who did this tended to survive the concentration camp experience, and people who were all about themselves and self-absorbed didn't do as well. And Mm -hmm. so we all know people uh, in our lives who are self-absorbed, and we sort of roll our eyes or avoid them. And we also know people who are uh, a good balance of self and other. And we like and are attracted to people who reach out in certain ways and who are open to a, that, that kind of experience. And um, one of my teachers said, as the flower unfolds, the bees come uninvited. Mm-hmm. We open up and extend ourselves to, to others. They come uninvited. They're attracted to that positive energy, and it's not just being nice, it's being useful and clear and, um, and compassionate. The last mm-hmm. chapter in The Power of Purpose uh, is called, What is the Meaning of Life? And my wife said, oh, this better be a good chapter, and each chapter <laughs> has that kind of title, better have a, a solution in it. And I looked at most of the major religions and philosophies, and they all have one golden thread going through them, and that is compassion. They all advocate a life, one way or another, of compassion. 
mm-hmm. the power of purpose and purpose practices are really about compassion in, a- in action and being conscious and awake to the opportunities for that compassion. As simple as a kind word to somebody, as simple as letting somebody pull in front of you on the freeway who wants to get in, as simple as, as um, a pat on the back for somebody. It doesn't have to be some big legacy-type purpose. Wow, I love I love to hear you say that, and I think compassion is compassion for self as well as for others in the world in the way that you're describing it and the way that your books read. It's learning yes. to get past the fact that you don't know all the answers and let yourself be a beginner, let yourself be compassionate with yourself about... That's exactly right. It starts with nice. you, it starts with your own self-compassion, and uh, you can't give away what you don't own. If you don't feel it, then what you're doing is manipulating oftentimes or practicing. You could be practicing, too. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, Richard, I'm going to invite you to share your vision, which I just simply have to do because this is a show (laughs) focused on vision. So we'll come back in just a moment. Looking forward to that. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. I'm speaking with legendary coach, executive educator, and author Richard Leiter, and we're talking about purpose. Listeners, in the month of February, Richard and I invite you to email us at visionaryleader at nebocompany.com to share your purpose. Go ahead and email us what you believe your purpose to be, and we're going to collect these purpose statements, and if we get a healthy number, I'll bring Richard back to discuss them and help you to continue your journey. So that's a real invitation, along with the offer of a free copy of The Power of Purpose. You may have a chance to win that if you sign up for our uh, newsletters at nebocompany.com. 
So, Richard, before the break, we were talking about um, you. We were talking about your way of working and, and the, the way that you approach the work that you do that makes such a difference for all of us. And I wanted to just take that one step further and, and uh, invite you to share the vision that you have um, for the future that you care about. And I always think of vision as kind of a picture of the future. It's, an, it's a destination that we imagine um, and desire to arrive at. And um, so I would love to just give you the opportunity to share your purpose. Your vision. Well, I, I, my purpose and vision, um, it's kind of the umbrella, is a, is awakening spirit. And I, that's what I strive to do in everything. And uh, to me, every day is final exam time. Every morning when I wake up, I seek the guidance of making a difference in one person's life that day. And at the end of the day, before I turn out the light, I look back over the day to see if I did that, if I showed up and actually in an unsolicited manner, unpaid manner, um, made a difference in one person's life that day. And when I have, those are great days. Those are good days. And those are my most alive, vital days. And so my purpose is to awaken spirit through helping people to really name their own purpose and live it. Because I think that's where true vitality exists. Mm -hmm. I have a little phrase on my wall from T.S. Eliot that says, old men ought to be explorers. And if you know <laughs> today, you would say old men and old women ought to be explorers, but I think we're explorers our whole life. We're continually growing and discovering and learning. And when we stop growing and discovering and reinventing ourselves, we start to die. And so my vision is a, is a world of vitality and particularly that vitality through the formula that I gave earlier. Mm -hmm. My vision is that every human being has the right and the possibility of using their gifts on something they feel passionate about in an environment that fits their values. That human dignity, particularly with gifts, is, comes to human beings when they can use their gifts, even in a concentration camp or in a setting where they're sick or that it's not perfect. So my vision for the world is one where everybody envisions, uh, or excuse me, uh, understands, is, a, is conscious of their gifts, and has the courage to use those in some small way to make a difference in the world. And my vision is grounded in every day is final exam time. Every day is the purpose moment when I can make one more step, one more a uh, small step towards that um, environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I gave a talk in Houston recently, and uh, there was a man there who was the uh, medical director for the Johnson Space Center, and I said, what are you doing in this program on purpose and second half of life? And he said, well, I'm here to help astronauts in the second half of their lives. And I said, is that a problem? And he said, well, what would you do in the second half of your life if you'd walked on the moon in the first half? <laughs> and, you know, it really, uh, I smiled, but it doesn't matter who we are, whether we've walked on the moon or whether we're world famous or whether we've made a lot of money or whether we haven't, we still need from cradle to grave to hold out vision, fueled and ignited by purpose. 
Mm-hmm. And these people, when they've walked on the moon, still need to live the second half of their life with doing something meaningful and having a reason to get up in the morning. So bottom line for me, Kate, is that if I could help the world, and I envision a world where everybody has a reason to get up in the morning, and that is to use their gifts for the greater good of their tribe, like, their community. I can see that vision. I like that very much. It's a very um, energizing and motivating vision. Thank you for sharing it. You know, I, I as we're winding up our hour here, Richard, I, I would love to know who has inspired you in your life. Well, I mentioned Victor Frankl is certainly one. There have been others, but I'll tell you one of the people who's really inspired me and continues to this day is Richard Bowles. Dick Bowles wrote the book, What Color Is Your Parachute? He's been a friend of mine, colleague, um, mentor, wise elder for many, many years, since 1969 when I first met him before Parachute even came out. And um, I find that he, he's an ex-Episcopal, per, former Episcopal priest who wrote the book Parachute, which has been on the New York Times bestseller list for 40 years. No other book in history has had that. But it's not about his notoriety. It's about his humanity. He's the one that's really taught me and deepened my understanding of this whole notion of that we're born with gifts, which I do believe we're born with gifts. And he's inspired me in the way he uses his gifts and helped me to really be vigilant about holding the line over all these years on that simple formula, which is, I think, basically the truth in, in life. So he's 85 now, and he still continues to work and teach and uh, doesn't travel and speak as much, but uh, uh, teaches in his own home. He has people come in, um, I don't know how many times a year now, and, and invites them into his own home and feeds them and teaches them. And I mean, he's an amazing guy. And he's one of my real inspirations. It sounds like a wonderful relationship. And would you consider him to be part of your sounding board or your? Definitely. Your, yeah. He's, on my sounding board, there's a number of people. Uh, my wife Sally, my son Andrew, and Richard Bowles is one of those wise elders, among mm-hmm. others, who continually helps me to be vigilant and hold the line with the big picture in mind. To always look at the, the big picture and not just today's pains or problems. And uh, I really honor and am grateful for him for that. Well, it's fun, actually, to hear you talk about him and, and to talk about your own, um, your own sounding board. It sounds like you have, um, you're sort of walking your talk in every possible way. And, you know, as we kind of, we have just another minute or two, but... I'm wondering if there's anything else you'd really like to say to our listeners to encourage them uh, toward your purpose, which is to help them find their purpose. Well, you know, I, I talked earlier about interviewing the elders, and um, at the end they said this, pay now or pay later. In other words, get awake early, otherwise you're going to wake up later in life having lived somebody else's version of the good life. And uh, the quote that sums it all up for me is Oliver Wendell Holmes when he said this. He said, most of us go to our graves with our music still inside us. Mm. And I think that's a horrible thought, that we lived our lives, maybe lived somebody else's vision, not our own vision, weren't courageous enough or clear enough to do that, and sung somebody else's song rather than our own. 
And so my vision summed up is to help people sing their song. And I think you're doing that with your show, and I know having met you personally that you live that, and uh, I I think that's kind of the, the summary that I would I would leave with, to, with people with. I love it. I think I think that phrase "get awake early." You know, it's um, it seems like such an important um, message to get out there to people. And early means right now, wherever you are in your life stage, whether it's at the very beginning of your path or whether you're midway, or you know, you're sort of feeling like you're in that last stage of life. It's not ever too late to get awake. And so I, I'm inspired, Richard, by our conversation today, and I, I feel um, certain that I'm going to begin to create my own sounding board having had this conversation with you. So thank you very much for joining me today. It's just been a great hour. Thanks for, for a great interview, Kate, and I hope you'll invite me back and talk more about repacking when it launches later this year. Absolutely. We'll talk about repacking, and hopefully we'll have some purpose statements we can, we can explore together. So have a great day, okay. and thank you all for joining us. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.